You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 23 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm here with Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Well, it is morning for me. It's not maybe morning for the listener. It's true. Could be any time of day or night. Well, here we are, episode 23. Can you believe it? Um, now, over the next few weeks, we're, I'm sure there's going to be lots of reviews and reflections on what felt like a fairly tumultuous year. Um, so I thought we could get our own version in on that with some reflection on our year of light and life and a little glimpse of what's next for the Outspoken Bible. It's worth saying at the beginning that one of the goals we set ourselves at the beginning of 2022 was to encourage more listener interaction. And so thank you to all of you who have made that possible. It's been a real highlight, I think, for mo- for all three of us, in fact. We've for, enjoyed most hearing us. From, for most of us. For most of us. most, for many of us. <laughs> Many of us three. It has been a real highlight, though, to to hear from you. And certainly I feel as though I know you, the listener, better now than I did in January. So that we've really appreciated that. However, we did have a grand plan that this episode would include a lot of listener feedback and interaction. But it was rather ill-conceived because I'd forgotten when we recorded the last episode that it wouldn't be live before we recorded this one. So... Unfortunately, if you have listened to the last episode, this is getting really bizarre in my head. If you've listened to the last episode and you've sent us a question or a message in the hope that it'll appear in this episode, we haven't received it yet. So rest assured, rest assured that we're not ignoring you. We just because you haven't it. sent it yet. Oh, I mean, honestly, my head just gets so confused when we start having these conversations. But what I'm, what I'm going to commit to here, future. I know it's back to the future, isn't it? We will pick up questions and comments at the first episode of 2023. So if you have sent something, uh, it's not gone completely amiss. Contact details, of course, as ever, are outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org or via social media. Now, later in the episode, we will be trailing some of the ideas that we have for next year. But I'm going to start with a spoiler. You are about to hear the very last, at least for the moment, Glover's Off. So Neil, without further ado, what is the final Glover's Off? The final Glover's Off is inspired by a shop that I used to pass when I lived in Belfast, used to get the bus into work every morning. And round about the lower Armour Road, the bus used to turn left and go past a shop called Castor World. Casters. It sold casters. That's all it sold. And I remember saying to Steve, my flatmate, I said, Steve, can you believe there's a whole shop and all they do is sell casters? And he just looked at me and said, oh, it'll be a science. And what he meant by that was, you know, he said they'll they'll have the polymer model, they'll have the latest GTX model, they'll they'll have ancient polymers, uh, casters that only fit certain things. But but I just loved that phrase. Oh, it'll be a science, and the idea that even something as niche as casters was probably to the people that worked in the world of casters a huge world of possibility and variation to the extent that you could have a shop called Caster World, and no doubt in that shop. There was a guy who just lived and breathed casters. He was passionate. You mean, you about mean it. wheels? When you yeah. Said so just yeah, when I you think said GTX. That made me think about castor oil. But anyway, that... no, I think it's it's castor. So I was trying to think: is a caster? See, I don't even know for sure. <laughs> is a caster the wheel, or is it the plastic kind of cup bit oh, that goes onto maybe. the carpet? I think it is the wheel, isn't it? Oh, the caster's the wheel. 
that's, that's, those are that was very protectors, the carpet protectors for the caster of the carpet. Are the, do you, you think Caster World sold caster protectors, or you oh, had to go to another shop to get? <laughs> no, I'd you... like to know if they sold antimacassars at the same time. What? <laughs> antimacassars? They're those. They're those. You remember, like back in the old days, people used to have kind of lace things on the back of their chairs, oh, or maybe on the yes, armrests, yes. and it was to stop the oil um, in their hair, yeah. macassar oil. Going into the, We've covered the them already in the podcast, haven't we? Oh, goodness. It was just when you said caster. I was thinking about my caster. Anyway, sorry, Neil. We've, um, we've derailed you already. <laughs> yes. But I think, if anything, Glover's Off has been the chance. I've loved it. Thank you very much for suggesting it. I don't know which one of the two of you it was that had the idea. I think it was Alistair. Oh, was it? Ah. Well, thank you, Alistair. Well, he certainly came up with a name, I think. It's, it, I realised it's something you could never really have the idea for yourself. You could come and go, I've got a new idea for a segment. I just talk about anything I want for the next three or four minutes. Anyway, the point being that you can look at anything, even as niche as casters, and find it fascinating. That There is nothing that isn't interesting if you look at it for long enough. Which is why I love geekery, because because we often mock people who we call geeks, but actually a geek is just someone who just has spent the time on one particular thing and just is passionate about it. I love that. And then there's a second thing, and this is something I used to take the rip out of, which was a children's addresses. You know, um, boys and girls, uh, the minister would hold up an object and say, uh, can you tell me what this is? And uh, the children would go, is it the baby Jesus? And you go, no, it's not the baby Jesus, it's a sock. But do you know in a funny kind of way Jesus is like a sock? And it was that line, in a funny kind of way Jesus is like. And basically Glover's Off is, has had a formula which has been to look at something niche and find it fascinating, which I've loved. And then to do the kind of, in a funny kind of way, Jesus is like that. But, but here's the thing. It has never actually felt that contrived because everything that you, when you look at it for long enough, you spot the fingerprints of the creator mm-hmm. and you, you sense the spirit in all things. And I've loved having the chance to do that probably something like 50 times. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to do Glovers Off and to look at the world and say, in a funny kind of way, Jesus like that. There you go. Well, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. And it's worth saying at this point, in case anybody's worried, Glovers Off finishing doesn't mean that Glovers Off. Oh, yeah, just means I'm we're not... ending that segment. <laughs> Glover is not going. <laughs> I think uh, we have, I have, I certainly have learned things, whether I've retained the information, but certainly in the moment of listening, I have uh, learned loads of stuff through that. So we. Thanks. Any any that you remember? Uh, the one about Shehalian being oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this the triangular shape. That they measured gravity with. That's really yep. strange. That's the one I remember as well. Mm. I wonder why that is. Interesting. That's and the one about the tree that you talked about. Anyway, well, let's not let's not rehearse all the different ones. But there was, there was one about the, the big tree. <laughs> the Wellingtonian. Yeah. I think it's maybe been a couple about trees actually as well. And the one I remember is Calmac. Oh, Calmac, yes. Yeah. Amateur dramatics. I mean, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, was there not one about home baking at one point? Oh, tree bakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a rich seam. I might go back and listen to them all again. Uh, brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we we will be mixing segments up for, for next year, so more on that later on. But in the meantime, I thought it would be a good place to start just to, to kind of reflect on the fact that we've been reading through the Gospel of John, which I have every time told us where 
in the light and life gospel, that's been fine. So we've been kind of pinning this on light and life. It's been idea. one of the catchphrases, hasn't it? I don't know what verse that is because I'm reading it from light and life. <laughs> I know, and that's on page, oh, what page is it? Yeah, but outside of the conversation, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because much of this year, I was thinking this morning, has felt like a year of darkness and death. And yet we've been focusing on light and life. Here we are at the end of that. Uh, and one of the features that we have returned to again and again through that has been the idea that the prologue in chapter one finds its fulfillment throughout the life of Jesus. And uh, here's a reminder of those verses from John chapter one, verses one to 18. In the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Revisiting the prologue and reflecting on reading through this book, what would your takeaway be from the whole of this exercise? Jen, did you have thoughts on that? 
specifically from the prologue, it's the, the thing about glory. I suppose I, I'd never really thought about that before. And then that is repeated again and again. And it's so often that Jesus' glory or his God-likeness is revealed in the difficult, normal, everyday, the earthiness, because this is the word made flesh. And before we, we read this and talked about it for a whole year, it's incredible. Um, I, I don't think I'd connect. I'd, I probably hadn't even, you know, what glory It's one of these words you sing, isn't it? And you talk about, but you don't think about it. So, well, I don't. Um, so I, I think I've realised in, in a new way what it, what how Jesus showed his glory. I mean, even last week, wasn't there? There was a bit in the very final. That's how John finished it all off in chapter twenty-one. This is how this is how the Jesus glory was shown. So in the Jesus being human, God is seen, which is this is it's nearly Christmas. <laughs> That's a great link, isn't it? It just feels like we've come back round, doesn't it, to the, yeah. to those verses? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Glory, I, we, we we did talk about this through the course of the year, but I, I personally find glory really difficult to define. I have a feeling that, that you two were more clear on it as being God revealed. Yeah, I I often think of it as a shining word, you know, like the glory shone all around. I mean, it's kind of where it takes me. Um, yeah, there's a, the Hebrew word means weight. So it's a sense mm-hmm. of presence. Yeah. It's quite. It's that's hard to to define, yeah. isn't it? It's it's one of those words I think that you can almost feel without being able to put into words what it means. Yeah, yeah. I think. And actually, yeah. I, I was doing. I was talking to you before we we hit the button. I was doing some Christmas events at the at the weekend, and you know, I was just brought back to that that the, the shepherds in the field. I know that's not in John's gospel, but the shepherds in the field. It's the mm. glory of God. It's yeah. this brightness and yeah, weight of His presence. I was I was kind of thinking, what would that? How would they have known? How, you know, there must have been something that that they immediately knew this was God. One of the names for this, so so one of the ways that people define or divide up John's gospel is to say the first part, can't remember which chapter it goes to, is called the Book of Signs. I think to to the end of chapter eight, I think, and then the second part is called the Book of Glory, and that word and that bit where the glory shines around makes me think of. A, the scene in the garden where when Jesus says, I am, everybody suddenly falls down to the ground. It's that sense of weight, of presence mm. of God, which is shining, which is irresistible, which is beyond us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which is that, that, and again, that that encounter is something that we've come back to because we, we talked about that at Easter time and then mm-hmm. again more, more recently when we, when we reached it again. Neil, did you have a takeaway? I know it sounds a cliche, but for me, this is a book about Jesus. It's about, and John is just obsessed. Obsessed makes it even sound like there's something un- wrong with that. He's He just cannot disconnect at any point from Jesus. Jesus is always present. And later on in his life, after the gospel, Jesus will remain as present through the, the Spirit. And he tells a story, he brings us, immerses us into this world of, of miracles and of calling and of wine, of temples, of conflict. There is so much conflict. There's an argument in every chapter of bread and journeys and prayers and conversations and healings and fish and cross and, and people and always 
John is saying Christ is present. He is the hope of the world. He is the one who made the world and he's here. And it's that, it's almost like, how are we going to meet Jesus today? Let, let me tell you another story. And I, I just, you never get away from that sense of encounter. And it's an encounter with a Jesus who, who th- it's, he throws you around. He, he says words that you have to work hard to follow, mm-hmm. uh, but which give you life. It's an incredible place, John's Gospel. Yeah, just when you're saying that, then you have to work hard. I think it's been a reminder to me, not that I didn't know it before, but that the Gospels are not easy. And sometimes, mm-hmm. particularly in children's ministry, you get, um, well, let's do a Gospel because mm-hmm. that's easy. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, there might be easy bits in it. And that's what we also tend to do is just pluck bits out, the the stories that seem straightforward. But when you read it like this, um, I, and I've been really reminded that this is a difficult book and takes you very deep into complicated concepts. No, and it's not they're not just complicated concepts. They're difficult things to understand about Jesus and who he is and who God is and how we relate to God. And I've got to say as well, I know we kind of joke about not having verses, but I've also found just reading reading the chapters as a whole with no interruptions, mm-hmm. and no breaks, no f- titles, that gets you a better flow of what the actual narrative is. But that reminder that a gos- the gospel isn't easy. It's not any of the, the four gospels. I mean, I, I would even, I know I'm the person who does go on about the verse numbers, but sometimes I think I quite like to just ditch the chapters as well. The chapter numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Although I was thinking, John, probably more than most books, there there are very definite chapter length mm. episodes. Not always, but you've mm-hmm. got the, the there's there's this is the thing about John. He's he's so artful. He he constructs these these dramas. So John chapter nine, the the healing of the man. John chapter eleven, the healing of Lazarus. John chapter four, the meeting with the woman at the well. I mean, there are other chapters, John chapter three, which which starts with Nicodemus, but then goes into dialogues, or John two, which has two different scenes, the temple and the wine. The, they're just so constructed. And, as, and as, as we've reflected on the prologue, you keep coming back to that prologue, which, you know, I think in 20 years time, um, when we bump into each other at some Christian event or something like that, or who knows? Maybe we'll we'll be in the same retirement complex. Who knows? Um, They um, will say, "Do you remember John?" And we'll probably go, "Yes, back to the prologue." Prologue, always back to prologue. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. I mean, mine was my reflection. I've always loved John. I think I've I've always thought of John's gospel as my favourite. Not that you should necessarily have favourites, really, but. Yeah, I, because because I love the encounters. I really love those those lengthy stories, like the woman at the well and the um, the Lazarus and Mary and Martha, all all of that stuff. Um, I think for me though, that my takeaway has been partly partly it's connected to what you just said, Neil, about the prologue, but the the sense of how this is very carefully structured and put together. I had never quite clocked that. I think before this year so and, and we've again we've come back to this again and again but that kind of idea that that Jesus doesn't just randomly say things at particular points mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if I'd ever really noticed the the pattern of the festivals yeah that has come yeah. up time and time again and the, the and the significance you know I've never taken the time to kind of delve into well what does that mean that you know what was actually happening at the festival of the tabernacles that that, that gives a an extra resonance to what he's saying when he 
calls himself the you know the light of the world or whatever um so yeah that that has been a really good thing for me i think yeah and that and that jesus spoke into his culture completely he was in that at the festivals he was celebrating the festivals and he speaks the i ams into that situation um sometimes as a christian i feel maybe we're slightly not we're not me maybe maybe I'm so I probably am but as a church we're kind of detached from our culture mm-hmm. um, and trying to and trying to sort of shout over it mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a sense that Jesus was well it wasn't just sense it was really what's happening Jesus is completely part of this it's the it's what all the people around him are part of and he then says this is who God is this is who I am I'm the light of the world I'm the way the truth and the life do, do you remember that week, Jen, you became an expert in Middle East shepherding practices? <laughs> <laughs> but that's back to your sort of geek comment, isn't it? The important, the importance of finding out what's going on. It's so good. You were like, we have this WhatsApp group. And you were like, I know so much now about Middle Eastern shepherding. Here's and then you told me I didn't really know that much. So that was good. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's how, I, I, we've got the t- this is one advantage by the way you know how when, normally when you're living with people and you get into he said she said he said scenario and of course you can't you can't work out actually what happened because you can't go back in time we can yes <laughs> it's got that's got a slight lives of others feel to it though hasn't it the old, there's somebody kind of listening right. in on everything that's <laughs> good good film reference i know I, it's a good film. It makes me want to go watch that again. Um, the other thing I, I think for me that has jumped out has been the, the use of the different senses within John as well. Mm. So, you know, taste, smell. I'm now just going to list senses, people. You were right into the smell the other week. I was right into the smells. <laughs> I wasn't as convinced. I was like, that's gone too far. <laughs> but there's something visceral about all of that. Yes. And, you know, I mean, Jen, yeah. that's what you started with. And, and yeah. Talking about, but yeah, I've enjoyed that, I think. It's very bodily, isn't it, John? Uh-huh. For, for uh-huh. all people say, it's a it's a spiritual gospel. You know, the you, the first three are the kind of historical ones, and then this is a spiritual reflection. There's two ways in which that's wrong. The first is, I think, there are several points at which John feels to have done the historical work mm-hmm. quite quite carefully. There's a there's a sense of accuracy to the the scenes, the the temple scene, for example. Um, the, the realism that's there, the realism in, in Peter um, outside the charcoal fire, both times actually. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's, it's grounded in, in eyewitness accounts. But the other thing is it's, it's rooted in the body. The word becomes flesh and it's mm-hmm. people's actual real experiences of, of wine or water, of fish, of bread. All those things are, it, it's in the world. Yes, so it's a false dichotomy, isn't it, to separate it's, these things out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would hesitate to say, but is that, is that more Greek understanding of things than a Hebraic understanding? Oh, yeah, that people say that, that, isn't it? The Greek is all very cerebral and abstract, and the, the Hebrew is all earthed. I'd go with that. I like that. It's probably some classic scholar will probably go, that's complete totally nonsense right. and fallacy. <laughs> Even as we speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we are embodied people. And and again, we're back to the prologue incarnation. Uh, what about, here's another question for you. What about how this has impacted you personally? I'm asking you to get a bit more, I suppose, a bit more what? vulnerable. You didn't warn us of this question. <laughs> I did. I just phrased it slightly differently. <laughs> My question is really how you've encountered God through this, through the reading and the discussing. What have you learned? How has God been speaking to you? Has he been speaking to you? Maybe, maybe he hasn't. It's okay to say no. 
I, I think, yeah, I don't think, I, I know that this is reminding me that I mustn't ever think I've I've got it. You know, like, I, I understand completely that there's not more questions to come. You know, and the problem with that is I've, I've often been with other believers, um, Christian believers, who have portrayed that in a really big way. Like, this is it. This is the truth. Um, there's no questions, um, and if, and if you question it, then you're wrong. Um, but this has been a lovely reminder that um, there's things I st- I still don't understand. I, I I'll that John chapter six conversation mm. um, about a a the communion or whatever we talk, call the bread and the wine, the remembering. Mm-hmm. I'm still working my way through that, and that's great. That God's I feel God's still giving me things to to work mm-hmm. out what it means uh, to follow Him, mm-hmm. um, and the other what was always another thing that I was thinking of when it's gone because I was thinking about just the... while you're thinking of that when you when you're mentioning that there's lots of bits of John when I was rereading it in preparation for today that just remind me of the two of you so your friend for example who moved to Catholicism because of Romans uh, Romans six John chapter six that a uh, chapter that bit will always make me think of your friend have you remembered what your next bit was. Oh, the other way, yeah, dreams. Um, mm. The whole dream challenge, because that's, and I know I'm, I mean, not every night, because quite often there's quite a lot of other things in my mind. Like at the moment, I've got a broken dishwasher, a broken dog, and a broken car, and I had a broken phone. So I don't always think at night before I go to sleep, um, uh, can you talk to me in a dream? But I'd never done that before we started uh-huh. reading John's Gospel. Mm. Um, and and you, I, mean, I suppose I wouldn't really think of John's Gospel and think, oh, that's going to make me ask if God speaks in dreams. But it's just great what comes out of the Bible about God when we mm-hmm. read it together and we have those mm-hmm. conversations. So th- those two things, the dreams and the John 6 conversation, that I've, I've uh, there's always more to know and discover. And that's great. There are three, I mean, I think one is the whole immersion. I'm very conscious that sometimes when you get that thing in life where you have to cut back on things that you're doing, I I never want to lose these conversations that we have. And I think that sense of immersion, that that calling back into the, the scriptures is always so profound. I think oh, there's maybe three or four. One is the the healing of the blind man in John chapter nine and the way that he finds his voice in conflict with the religious authorities. I I find that just, just incredible story. I I love it. And there's so every time I read it, there's something new. I think the image of the seed falling to the ground in John chapter 12, which is also linked with the gospel to the Greeks. I find that a very profound image, which speaks a lot to me in my life. I think the thing where Jesus says, I think in the end of John 5, you search the scriptures and it's something like you do not find me. And it's this idea, it's something you said, Jen, that you weren't downgrading the Bible to say that it was the the word of God. I can't remember the exact language that, that you used, but it's the idea that the word is Christ who meets us in the scriptures. And John has a very, very high view of the scriptures. He said the scriptures cannot be annulled. But it, but the scriptures, reading the scriptures and hearing them is the place where you encounter Christ. So I think that idea. And then finally, John chapter 21, favorite chapter in the Bible, uh, Jesus sending out Peter in a context of being loved. Mm. Yeah, good. My Mine, I don't know why I said good. I, I was trying to avoid sounding like a teacher. <laughs> well done. Yeah, well done. Well done you chose Glover. some good comments. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
I I was thinking that um, coming out of two years of quite quite an isolated existence, and I think an isolated experience of worship, I have been uh, re. I suppose reminded, but it's it's reignited my um, love of talking about the Bible with other people, and 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 a recognition in myself that I need to do that. That that to sit and read my Bible on my own and reflect on it is one thing. To sit and read my Bible on my own and prepare it and deliver it to other people is another thing. But actually, to sit and and have quite a robust discussion where there's challenge, but there's also that encouragement of discovering new things. That's been a, that's been a real highlight actually for me this year. I think. Yeah. That's good. To be able to speak. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've been thinking a lot of that lately. It's not in John's gospel, but they we we often forget that when Jesus heals the deaf man, the the one to whom he says "Ephatha," this is a mark. Um, we often say he healed the deaf man, and we forget he also healed him of his muteness. Yeah, and there's something about finding our our voice that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I know that whole thing about you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth to be used in those proportions. That's not actually verses in the Bible. It's, it's <laughs> just what primary teachers say. <laughs> yeah. It's, there is something very important about being able to speak. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, it's been a real privilege to share that with you both this year. Thank you, Fiona and Jim. Uh, yeah, that's good. Now, before we just talk a little bit about what is coming in 2023, Jen, we have loved your gems this year. <laughs> Uh, I certainly, I know that I've bought a number of books on the back of your recommendations. I can't say that I've actually finished reading them all, but I've certainly bought them <laughs> to add to Are the they called Jane's Gems because they're quite expensive. precious and valuable Um, but it has been really helpful to have your take on intergenerational and youth and children's work so for the last time this year Jen have you got a gem? Yeah I've got two gems actually Uh, the first one is quite silly and frivolous but actually I hope we've discovered through the gems that being silly and frivolous can be really important (laughs) in building relationships and getting to know each other at our messy church on Saturday we had an indoor snowball fight and I was surprised to discover that uh, Neil and Fiona had never encountered indoor snowballs. So I want to recommend it to everybody. Um, they're just these sort of squidgy balls of sponge. I don't, I don't know what they're made of. But the great thing is you can use them again and again. I've had my indoor snowballs for many a year. And on, and it was lovely in Messy Church on Sunday in our church sanctuary, uh, seeing everybody of every age engaging with this game. So we I had sort of... Um, young adult men at the far edges of the teens lobbing the snowballs with great um, fierceness uh, across the room. There was uh, middle-aged women uh, joining in as much as they could. and Well, I, I could join in quite fiercely as well. But then there's little toddlers just gathering up all the snowballs they can find and running around with them. And then there's um, teenage boys organising their team and trying to make it more an effective strategy. And I'm not being gender specific. I'm just trying to paint the picture of what was going on. Um, so snow, a snowball fight with these squidgy wee things, it just really helps bring people together of all ages. And as I've said before, it's not easy to start talking about the Bible with anybody of any age. Uh, but doing things like that really breaks down the, the problems we have with engaging with each other. So if you want, get some squidgy snowballs for indoor encounters. And they're not limited to Christmas. You can use them any time of year. And... So it's like a very practical question, and I'm sorry to cut in on the gem. How many snowballs did you have per? You had about 100 people. Just I'm just conscious. How many? I think there was about uh, maybe 40 snowballs for each team, 
And then we just did a random count. We stopped every so often and said, let's have a count. How many snowballs are on your side? And the pe- the team that had the least snowballs were in the lead. Then it just became ridiculous and we were just throwing snowballs. Yeah, 40. You could do it with many more. I have a friend called Ross um, who has almost about 200 snowballs. Anyway, let's forget about the snowballs. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I had a lovely email from Rachel this week who's been in touch with us a lot on the podcast and also in touch with me about intergenerational Bible engagement they're doing in their church in Inverness. And she asked if we could have a Zoom chat just to talk about all things intergenerational ministry. And we haven't arranged a date yet, but I'm absolutely delighted to be able to do that. So my final word on my Jen's Gem is that I'm not just a voice on a microphone talking about stuff. I would really love to hear from you and to have a chat um, about how things are going with you because being intergenerational is not easy. It can be really hard. It is chaotic. It is noisy. Uh, there can be silence and moments, you know, really brilliant moments of uh, connection with God, but it, it's not an easy road to go down and uh, we need each other to, to support each other as we try and do it as well as we can. So please get in touch. And how do people do that, Jen? Jen.Robertson, the Scottish Bible Society.org. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you. We are going to be changing Jen's gems for next year. Uh, we we recognise that you're so talented at what you do. And I think people often assume you're just making stuff up on the hoof, either in the moment of this podcast or, you know, on the back of an experience you've had the previous weekend or something. But you actually, there's a lot of research and reading that you have behind you as you share this stuff. Not least because you do actually have a master's degree in, yeah. what is it in? in Childhood and Youth Studies. Right, there you go. Um, so you're kind of clever, really, is what we're saying. So next year, what we're going to do is we're going to open that up a little bit and you're going to bring a new segment um, that for want of a better idea, I'm calling Robertson's Research. I think we need a better better title. Tell us a wee bit about what you're going to do in that. Yeah, I like to dig down into the reasons for doing what we do. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. It's just good to know. Uh, it also means you get the voices of other people um, and voices of children, young people too. Um, and I think often in our churches, you know, people will just be like, why, why are you doing that? You know, <laughs> and, you, and if you've got, you know, if you've got research behind you and support, you, you can actually speak into that. Um, you know, we've always done it this way, so let's do it this way forever. And you can actually say, no, but I should do it this way. It might be better because... So I hope there's two reasons there. And also just because it's great to know, isn't it? I'm currently reading a someone's PhD on how 11 to 14-year-olds engage with the Bible. In fact, with Luke's gospel. So, I mean, there's just so much out there. I mean, as Neil said, the glover's off. You know, the, there's so much stuff in the world we don't know about. And uh, the, when I finished my master's degree and I was feeling that kind of down, that dip you get after you, f- you finish that a bit of work like that. I said to my daughter, who's about 20 at the time, we're still doing our undergraduate degree. I said, oh, well, I really miss, I really, I really miss studying. And she said, no, you don't actually miss studying, you miss learning. And you can do that always. You don't need to be doing a specific qualification to learn. So I hope it just gives people a chance to to read something, engage with something. And even that conversation we just had about the chapters, no, but that partly that came from research that the Scottish Bible Society did with children and young people in Scotland about the Bible, that when the Bible feels more like a normal book, it's easier for them to read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So little bits like that. Good. So lots of things like that and some research. And if there's, if there's new research comes out, you're going to kind of explain, open that up a bit for us uh, and, and make it digestible. That's great. Thank you. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that Glover's Off was coming to an end. And Neil, you've talked about that. You've given us uh, a lovely uh, thought to finish with. Um, 
we're going to mix that up a bit next year as well. And we're a bit more nebulous. Is that, is that fair know. to say? We don't, we don't know. There's going to be, be something on mm-hmm. Books of the Bible. It's slightly inspired by you saying that in your time growing up in church in the north of Edinburgh, you learned how it all fitted together. I'm slightly worried about that because when sometimes when you try and fit it all together, what you actually do is you you break bits off to try and get it all to fit. And I don't want to do that either. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you've gone down a route of talking about breaking it down. But then I, I um, you know, I thought, I thought you were going to kind of do something that was a sort of putting it all together. I think I will. Is that a more helpful tra- way to think about it? Yeah, no, it? I like the challenge of that. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes against that. I was, there's that book called According to Plan, which shows how all the Bible fits together. And I'm going, no, it doesn't. You can see Walter <laughs> Brueggemann exploding at that point. <laughs> the Bible is a diverse text, but but there is a there is a consistency, a coherence of of witness, which I think I want to pay attention to. I'll work on it. I've got some okay. time, haven't we? Work on it, and we'll we'll think of a time. We've got a wee bit of time over Christmas to think about it. After you've had your mince pies, maybe Boxing Day, you can have a think about that. Oh, I'll be thinking about it constantly from now on. <laughs> well, if, if it helps, we'll we'll kind of think about a segment title for you. And if any listeners have any ideas for segment titles, you're quite good at segment titles. It's not my first rodeo, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so segments will be mixed up a little bit, but um, still holding all the joy that we've enjoyed this year. In terms of content for discussion, we're going to start the year with six episodes, I think, on the story of Elijah. Listeners, you need to know how hard I had to fight for that. <laughs> Jen's poor face. Well, it wasn't Elijah per se. It was the thought of going back to the Old Testament because I was quite upset by my, our experience before John when we did those minor prophets. <laughs> Not that it wasn't good to do. I'm very glad we did it. But Zechariah, it Zephaniah. Fun. That's going to stick with you, Zechariah, Zephaniah. Yeah, I still don't know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, we're going to do it. So, Neil, is there anything you want to say about that, about Elijah? We, we, what we will do in advance of this series starting is we'll put the readings out so people can read in advance. He's an interruption. He he comes into a world where institutions are just collapsing in on the weight of themselves and then suddenly, bang, he appears. First Kings chapter 17, as I stand before the Lord, there's not going to be any rain for three and a half years. And it's he kicks off a whole cycle of events and sagas and suddenly prophets start appearing from everywhere. And I think it's a word for our time about someone breaking up the, or not the ordinary, we, we like the ordinary if we said that in John, someone breaking up the kind of, the weighing down of, of institutions and being on a constant cycle of decline and suddenly kaboom, Elijah appears. So we're going to look at him, Obadiah, Carmel, fire, Horeb, still small voice, Elisha does twice as many miracles as Elijah. All that. Excellent. It's making me think that in 2024 we'll need to do Moses so we have a kind of balance of Moses and Elijah. You want to visit the entire Transfiguration Mountain. Law and the Prophets. Yep, exactly. Anyhow, that's that's probably Elijah's enough for the first part of 2023, I would have thought. I felt that's... myself lucky to get that. So. <laughs> you are. So then, And then after Easter, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the book of Acts. But to get us to, kind of warmed up for that, really, during Holy Week, we're once again going to have some short episodes like we did last year. But this year, in 2023, they're going to be taken from Luke's Gospel. So we'll do a little run-up with the end of Luke into Easter. And then from Easter through till the end of the year, we're going to be talking about the book of Acts. I feel quite excited about that. Yeah, yes. good. Jen's, Jen's face is 
just just chirpy at the thought of that. Chirpy at the thought of that. Jen, you do have um, well, or well, you were quite involved in the Dear Theo project, weren't you? Which is look and act together. Yep. So that's uh, it was the first book we produced. Well, the book existed, but we uh, changed the cover and some things. But it was the first book we promoted um, after we had done the research with the young people and children. So it's a book that is, is chapters, there's no verses, it's a new international reader's version, there's some images of illustrations by Jason Ramasamy. So it's it's still there and uh, hopefully there'll be more resources next year as well to go alongside looking acts again. And can people still get hold of that? Yes. You can, it's, if you buy 10 copies or more, it's a pound a copy. It's pretty good, isn't it? Something to worth A great Christmas it. gift, actually, to give out to you, some young people or even older people who find reading the Bible... Um, not so easy. And you can get those on the Scottish Bible Society website. Yeah. Scottish.bible. So much still to say, but I don't want to say any more until we get to, to next year. Uh, but I did want to say a few thank yous before we finish. And mm-hmm. um, Firstly, I, I guess all three of us would say we want to say thanks to Scottish Bible Society mm-hmm. for allowing us to have this platform. <laughs> we don't take that for granted at all. Um, I was thinking particularly Mark, who does the social media. We'd want to just give a bit of a shout out to Mark for the work he does uh, for us with that. Thanks, as ever, to our brilliant sound engineer, Amy. Amy. We kind of miss the fact that Amy isn't in with us when we're recording, but she takes what we uh, ramble on about. She takes our repetitions. She takes the bin noises and the dodgy sound um, levels and all of that, and she makes us sound crisp and hopefully not too verbose each time. So thank you to Amy for that. And thank you also, I wanted to say to the two of you, for bringing interesting conversation and challenge each time we meet. And I guess the final thank you is to uh, those of you who listen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and commenting and encouraging and challenging. We really are, I think, deeply glad of your company as we travel along together. And obviously, thanks to God for all that he does. And you do do kind of want to say glory to him, really, don't we? Well, I was about to do that bit. Jen, I was looking, trying to catch your eye, which one of us is going to do the bit where, you know that thing where you always have the vote of thanks and then someone else stands up and goes... Oh, I should have scripted and, it in, And Neil. said, now there's one person we haven't thanked. <laughs> <laughs> but then but then you thanked God. I can't feel... Yes, and you thank can't, you to you, can't you, Fiona, <laughs> for all you've done. You're great, welcome. I, I was listening to you in one of the recently and thought, you're so good the way you do this. I, on the other hand, listen back and think, I need to stop using the word interesting Was that so the much? word... When, when you did the first uh, Hall on Substantial, was that the word that you used a lot? I think it was interesting. I do find light. I mean, it goes back to your glovers off. I do find things interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I think I overused the word. I need to find some new words for 2023. Maybe that's What do you say to when someone has said something and you want to affirm it back? Mm, That's intriguing. Yeah. Fascinating. Thought-provoking. We'll be back to interesting. Send us your suggestions. We'll have run out. (laughs) I know. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that really is us until 2023. Have a lovely break. We will be back in January. Um, obviously, we're taking, we're taking a few weeks off for Christmas. Uh, but we do hope that everybody has a blessed and a happy and a peaceful um, Christmas. Yes. And we will speak to you in 2023.